Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Great. How about yourself? Good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) As always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how the vinyl LP release of Tyler the Creator's Call Me If You Get Lost album prompts the set to return to number one on the Billboard 200 chart nearly 10 months after it debuted atop the list. So, how did this happen? And why did it take so long for the vinyl to come out? And just how well did it sell? Here's a hint. Very, very well. We need answers, Keith. (laughs) Well, we'll tell you all about it in just a second. Plus, Harry Styles' As It Was returns to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, while Morgan Wallen's new single, Don't Think Jesus, debuts straight into the top ten, which got us thinking, how often have there been top ten hits with the word Jesus in their title? I mean, at least it got me thinking about it. Stay tuned for a little Jesus talk in just a second. I think this is our first Jesus talk on the Pop Shop. <laughs> we need to have a talk about yes, Jesus, we got to have a come to Jesus moment. Uh, also on the show, we got a chance to chat with Katy Perry at an American Idol event last week. So we thought we'd share a little bit of that interview and also talk about 20 years of American Idol. Yes, 20 years. So 20. stick around for that in just a bit. Nuts. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. All right. First up, Tyler, the creator's Call Me If You Get Lost returns to number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart as the set's release on vinyl LP prompts its jump from number 120 (laughs) to number one. It's the album's second non-consecutive week atop the list, as it debuted at number one on the July 10th, 2021 dated chart. So Call Me earned 59,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending April 21st. That's up 507%, according to Luminate, formerly MRC Data. And of that sum, 49,500 were in vinyl LP sales which makes it the largest sales week for a hip-hop album on vinyl or for a solo male album on vinyl 
since Luminate began tracking music sales in 1991. Wow. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more background on this. The vinyl edition of the album was sold exclusively through Tyler's web store. And notably, all the physical versions of this album, vinyl, CD, and cassette, have been exclusively sold through his web store. No physical versions of the album have been officially available to any other sellers in the U.S. The set has been widely available, however, to all streaming services and digital retailers since its initial release, on June 25th, 2021. Okay, so Keith, I know that this is not the first time this has happened. I feel like it's happened a few times, right? This uh, this vinyl release bringing an artist back to number one. Yes. So me, talk do, to me. Do tell me, me. Tell you. I would love that. It's, this is actually <laughs> this is the fourth time it's happened. Okay. Where an album has uh, been number one and then come back to number one after its final re- album version came out. Uh, Taylor did it twice with Fearless Taylor's version when it jumped 157 to number one uh, last October. And then Swift also did it with Evermore when she went 74 to one in June of last year. And then Olivia Rodrigo also did it with Sour. Less spectacular of a jump. It just moved three to one uh, in September. But still, it was actually a big unit gain that week because Sour sold you know, out, out the wazoo on vinyl. And it seems just to piggyback off of Taylor uh, for a moment, she put out Red Taylor's version last November and she made sure the vinyl was available concurrently for that one. Correct. It's it's interesting. I wonder what these conversations might be like among artists, labels, etc. It's like, do you go for that big blockbuster debut week, like obviously Taylor had with Red, or do you go for this like kind of repeat moment that Tyler's getting that Taylor had with Fearless, which were sort of accidental, I'm assuming, in the sense that like things just weren't ready at the same time for release week, and now all of a sudden they have this brand new headline about the project you know, what is this, 11 months later? Is that what you said? Nearly 10. 10 months later? So, yeah, it, it's like, what do you what do you want as an artist, I guess? I mean, yeah, but it also, <laughs> I mean, I think it also depends on maybe the artist, as you just said, but also, you know, how protective you are and worried you are about something possibly leaking. Mm-hmm. Because if you have to manufacture any product, a CD, a cassette, a vinyl, whatever it is. That means the music is out there. More people are touching and possibly hearing that music Mm -hmm. before its release date. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, beyond just making the album, you once it's then manufactured, you then have to ship it out to people and to stores, which you have to do weeks in advance before the album comes out. So... When, if you're an artist who is not entirely sure that your album will be locked down and Mm -hmm. protected through this process, you may just say, no, we are not putting out physical because we will then endanger the number of streams and sales that I will get Mm -hmm. on street date. And that could ruin the, the rollout of my album. And if you have the ability to kind of call the shots and say, okay, look, we're going to hold on to this album and basically I'm going to deliver it to you two days before street date Mm -hmm. and you're going to then post it to streamers Mm -hmm. and digital retail two days later. 
some people do that. Well, it's funny you said that because um, we learned in the Olivia Rodrigo uh, Disney Plus film that Brutal was written less than a week before Sour came out, which was her opening track on the album. And so clearly you would not have had a vinyl pressed with that song on it had vinyl come out concurrent to the release of the album. Right? What is Brutal on the CD? Uh, I'm assuming. So, so they had it done early enough to do that, I guess. Yeah, we'll have to check on that. The timeline? But, yeah, we'll have to check on the timeline because it takes more than a week to turn around a CD. <laughs> maybe it was like maybe it was like a day before she turned the album maybe in they or were something like that. Exaggerating a bit. Maybe. Saying like, you know, we just did it a, a day before we locked uh, down the album. Right, exactly, exactly. Because, because when Adele was talking about she was doing press for her album, and we talked about it on this show, when she was talking to BBC Radio 1 about the album and how she basically delivered the album like more than six months before it came out to ensure that they could manufacture the vinyl and the CDs. And she joked in that interview where she's like, she said, basically it's like squid games in these, in these hmm. uh, manufacturing plants, plants, you know, yeah. because if anything leaks, that's going to ruin everything. Yep. But, but so someone like Tyler, who obviously is very um, sensitive about the possible leakage of his music, but also may not finish the album until right before the release date. Right. So you don't have enough time, period. And a lot of artists, especially now when they have a lot more creative control and they live in a streaming-oriented world where they can they, – they love the fact – they love the fact that they can make something and then Im- and immediately release it mm-hmm. just a day later yeah. or overnight. Yeah. They don't want to have to say, okay, I'm going to lock this down. Oh, six months is a lifetime yeah. in a, the a creative person's life. It's like, life. oh, that beat is old. Yeah, exactly. That sounds old now. Exactly. But so there are still artists, though, that make sure that they have physical album day and date, meaning when the digital and streaming edition of the album comes out, there are CDs and vinyl. Billie Eilish, Lady Gaga, Casey Musgraves are all examples mm-hmm. that had vinyl and CDs all out in the same day. But that means they delivered their album months in advance. And so now we know that there, I mean, there's pros and cons to all of these different things. And so now there's like a new pro, like of these, uh, did you say four albums total have done this? Yeah. Four, I mean, these four, but these are also like pretty high caliber artists mm-hmm. too like ones who can carry an album without having the physical there like right. put it to number 1 twice with cutting that in half basically the physical and the digital I mean Tyler didn't cut out his physical entirely during on on street day when he released his album he did have a limited amount of physical albums that were CDs and cassettes that okay. were effectively locked inside box sets oh, okay. and they were all sold exclusively on his web store. Okay. So he was able to, to rush manufacture in the course of probably, I would imagine a couple weeks, mm-hmm. some CDs and cassettes for these box sets, mm-hmm. but he immediately sold out of them. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess. Okay. I've got another question, a Tyler specific question. Okay. So you gave some big stats there saying that it was the, what the biggest hip hop, uh, album on vinyl since 91 and and for a solo male artist yeah in a single week like a single week sales yeah so and we're talking about nearly 50,000 copies like so how just how big is that of a week for vinyl it's it's I mean pretty big um, I mean we've seen I mean one put it in context vinyl used to be the pri- the pri- the only format the primary format that everyone purchased music on mm-hmm. for decades mm-hmm. like the 50s up through like the early 80s, late 70s, mm-hmm. until cassettes then took 
over. Mm -hmm. And then cassettes were a thing for a while with album, like with vinyl albums. And then CDs in the late 80s, really early 90s is when they took off. Mm -hmm. And then vinyl basically fell off a cliff in the late 80s, early 90s. So while we have measurements, you know, authoritative sales measurements going back to 1991, which is when Luminate started back when it was called SoundScan, um, we don't have authoritative measurements for anything earlier than that. Mm-hmm. So certainly vinyl would have sold gajillions of copies right. in a week back when you know Michael Jackson's Thriller was selling totally. a lot. But I, we don't know how much he was selling in a single week, nor yeah. do we know how much Sgt. Pepper's sold in a single I week. I mean, just to say that it's been 30-plus years and he, it's the biggest we, in 30-plus years is, is amazing. We frame it. I framed it in my story on Sunday as the modern era. Yes. Because it's the past The Luminate years. era. Right, but it, modern era sounds a little bit cooler to yeah. the average person. <laughs> so to, to answer your question, it is the single largest sales week for a hip-hop album on vinyl or for a solo male album on vinyl since Luminate started tracking sales in 1991. The largest week on vinyl uh, since 1991 was registered by Taylor Swift's Red, Taylor's version, with 114,000 vinyl LPs sold last November. And so as we said earlier, that was concurrent with her entire release. Yes. So and some a lot people, of that was sold through her web store too. Oh really? Yeah. See and but they did they did like a target version yeah, too. Yeah there was right? also a tar- there was also a wide release version as mm-hmm. well. But I mean Taylor, like Tyler, mm-hmm. has a very, very mm-hmm. big business through their through her official web store. Mm-hmm. Well this is all very fascinating, Keith. Um I guess I should also ask, like, why, why, why go through your web store versus these traditional retailers? Like, why, why is Tyler's album only on his web store? I've I've been super fascinated by that too, um, because, I mean, I'm always like sort of rooting for like you know indie brick and mortar and the independent right. record stores, and you know, gosh, it would probably sell a lot if you know Tyler's album was you know at Amoeba Records down the street or right. Newberry Comics or wherever, and I'm sure they would love to have the album too. Mm-hmm. But if you are an artist who is very protective about your art and you only want it to come out on a certain day, mm-hmm. you if you were to give it to other people to sell, you have to ship it to them mm. weeks in advance, days in advance. And to get something into Target or Amazon or Walmart, you have to you have to ship it to them weeks in advance mm-hmm. to get into those stores. Mm-hmm. Well then what happens if your vinyl album arrives at like the local Target in Boise two weeks before it's supposed to hit retail officially? Someone in the back room snaps a picture on their iPhone, mm-hmm. they post it to social media, they open up the gatefold and show the poster, all the things that the, has now been ruined yeah. for the artist because the artist doesn't get to roll it out the way they want to. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure a lot of artists are like, you know what? We're going to keep it in-house for mm-hmm. the time being, and we'll give it to other retailers later. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I need to control how this is executed. Yeah. And you like you understand it, but at the same time, it's like, gosh, that, that it sucks that other people can't, you know. Well, we're mourning the days when, you know, you could go into a physical place and, yeah. and I know. shop. It's a, it's, it's a very old-fashioned, like, way of thinking about things, you know, as most people, as, you know, certainly he sold out of this final album instantaneously on his web store. He put it up for sale on April 6th, and it effectively sold out immediately with fans not even knowing when they were going to get oh, the wow. album. Wow. Fans didn't even know that it was actually going to actually come out. Right. He just said, it's up for sale. Go buy it. 
and everyone bought it. By the way, I'd like to mention this album is really good. It won like, the Grammy for yeah, a rap album. It won the best rap album Grammy. It's a really good album. So like, listen to it however you can. Yeah, stream it, <laughs> download it, all the ways. Go 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 play the vinyl. Katie still doesn't have a record player. I do. Wait, you don't actually play any vinyl. I on don't. It, <laughs> but I now have one in my house. Although it's not it's not great. It was like a freebie thing, and it's like it's like a Crossley, isn't it? Yeah, and but like it's it doesn't sound great. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I sorry like, to like, Crossley. I, well, it's maybe the lowest end, you know, model or something. It was free, so I really can't complain. But like, I'd like to get one that sounds good. Yeah, I would be afraid to. That was the thing. Like when I started investing in vinyl um, again, well, properly because mm-hmm. I sort of missed vinyl as a kid. When I started buying vinyl a, a number a few years ago, we had a record player. But I was a little suspect of it, and I'm like, Ooh, I need yeah, it's to- like you don't want to mess up no. your records, and especially considering how much it costs to buy vinyl. Yeah, I I went and like researched, and I got like a quality record player, mm. a, t- a quality turntable, and like you know I've bought all the correct things to like maintenance it and keep it up because yeah. I don't want it like. God, God help me if I put like that forty dollar vinyl album on there, and then I end up ruining it yeah. with like a crappy needle or something. See, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, I think. But like, I think when my kids are older, and they would be a little more fascinated with the like playing of records, then maybe we'll invest in something a little better. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I still want to get you to buy a vinyl album. So far, I've not purchased any. The, I also I have, an, I have a very nice collection for not having purchased any albums of things that have just come to me through work. Oh, so you do have vinyl? I have Olivia Rodrigo's Sour. I have yeah. Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever. I have you've, a you've, whole mess of you've things. You've got a great start. I yes. think we should get you an Eagles Greatest Hits there on vinyl. There you go. That's the next step for sure. What would be what would be as I d- dive into an Eagles? <laughs> what would be the first studio album from the Eagles that I should listen to in full? Well, it's funny because as a kid, I was introduced to the famous Greatest hits collection and so to me like that is what i will always be nostalgic for Mm -hmm. in my mind but like hotel california is probably the most notable project i would think otherwise i mean i because of the greatest hits collection i really think of them as like a singles band but i know that they have great albums but like that's just where i came into it you know what i mean so and like and my parents always played hell freezes over so i'm nostalgic for that too but that's kind of just another greatest hits collection just live right so oh all right yeah um should we move on yes okay so moving on while the past two weeks have been a little bit sleepy in the top 10 on the billboard 200 chart uh, where our last two number ones tyler the creator and little dirk thank you little dirk um have both been titles that returned to number one with relatively soft unit totals we could see a high debut next week from the arrival of Pusha T's It's Almost Try, which came out on April 22nd. Then this Friday, April 29th, sees the release of Future's new album, which I think as of this recording doesn't have a title yet hmm. <laughs> that he's announced. Uh, plus the, hey, look at that, the vinyl release of the weekend's Don FM uh-huh. album. Uh, Don FM came out at the very top of January, but the vinyl wasn't ready yet. Hey, I wonder, are we going to see a fight for number one between The Weeknd's album, which peaked at number two in January? I was going to say, which did not debut at number one, Mm -hmm. so he might be looking for that, and Future might be in the way. Right. Just like Gunna was the first time. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like, and they were thinking, like, Uh, oh, we'll pick April 29th. That seems like a good week. Future's like, no, thank you. Future's like, "Mm." my untitled album will come. (laughs) I don't even know if Future has any physical, like, Uh. but Future may not need it. 
Maybe not. Future could have huge streams, yeah. and apparently there's some big guest stars on here. Uh-huh. Ah! Um, also, next month is shaping up to be an exciting time for possible blockbuster albums. Jack Harlow and Arcade Fire both have new albums dropping on May 6th. Florence and the Machine, The Black Keys, and Kendrick Lamar all have new albums coming out on May 13th. And then there's a little-known dude named Harry Styles Mm -hmm. with Harry's House, which comes out on May 20th. I feel like these labels need to talk to each other. Why is it so crowded in May? It's like, (laughs) why didn't anyone put out anything in the past two weeks? Exactly. I don't know. (laughs) All right, uh, next, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Harry Styles, as it was, rebounds back to number one, rising two to one for its second week atop the list. The song posts gains in U.S. radio airplay and sales, but dips a bit in streams in the tracking week ending April 21st, according to Luminate. Last week's number one, Jack Harlow's First Class, goes from first place to second place as it falls one to two in its second week on the chart. The tune was still the most streamed song of the week, though it fell 37% in streaming activity. I wonder if they'll flip-flop back at any point, because I, I just feel like First Class is going to become a big radio song on pop radio like uh, at some point. I mean, can, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, but we are now in a world where we have Jack Harlow with First Class, which samples Fergie's number one hit, Glamorous, from not too long ago, living in the same world where Lotto's... Um, big Energy. Big Energy is currently the most popular song on radio Mm -hmm. and it samples and interpolates a former number one in mariah carey's fantasy so which itself interpolates the tom 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 club uh, (laughs) a genius of love which was not a number one Uh, okay (laughs) at least on the hot 100 um but yeah it's like if if radio is totally feeling kind of like the retro number one vibes right now then jack should find success with this. Also, it's just really catchy. Yeah. So it feels like it should be a hit. But it's also, and, and I think, like, Harry has just become a big radio hit, hit very quickly, obviously. It came out the week before Jack, so it had a week head start right. on uh, on First Class. Also, Harry is just, I think, more immediately, like, radio friendly just instantly yep but yeah. i think the combination of the fergie sample and jack's success with lil nas x on uh, industry baby i feel like radio pick it up quick right. um also morgan wallen's don't think jesus debuts at number seven on the hot 100 the song which was released on april 15th starts with twenty one thousand five hundred copies sold and was the number three most streamed song of the week in total Jesus is Wallen's third top 10 following Wasted on You, which peaked at number nine, and Seven Summers, which hit number six. Jesus is notably Wallen's first song released with him in a lead role since he was caught on video using the N-word among friends back in February of 2021. He subsequently apologized and asked fans not to defend him. While most radio chains pulled his songs, his music eventually returned to airwaves with the Dangerous, uh, the double album single Sand in My Boots, having topped the country airplay chart this past February. And in the same month, he began his The Dangerous Tour. So with the start of Jesus in the top 10, it got me thinking, how many other songs with the word Jesus have hit the top 10? And we're being specific to the exact word Jesus, not variations of Christ like, you know, Christmas. 
Is that a fair enough? Yes. Okay. Just be- in the case someone says, do you mean like like Christ as in Christmas, Keith? I'm like, no, I mean Jesus. Literally Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> the word of Jesus. <laughs> um, I assumed it was a decent size number. I teased this to Katie earlier. Katie thought I it was- I made some guesses. You um, want, should I say my guesses? Yes. Because they're probably things that our listeners are thinking right now. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was- uh, Well, first thing that came to my mind was Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. Nope. Not a top ten. Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode, not, not a, a top, top 10. ten. Then I went back to uh, the Doobie Brothers, I think because it was. Who Jesus is just all right with me. Not a top 10. <laughs> not a top 10. So, can you think of any other aside from those? I'm impressed that I came up with three. I don't, I cannot think of any, any so, others. So, this is only the second song with the word <gasps> Jesus okay. in, in the top 10. What year was the first song? Uh, 1996. Oh, okay. So that's... It's it's kind of obscure. But it was a top 10 hit on the Hot 100? Well, there's lots of songs that were top 10 <laughs> that are kind of obscure. If they were like, blink and you'll miss them, they were top 10 for a week. Okay, I need a genre. Pop. Really? Oh, um... By an incredibly famous pop artist. An incredibly famous... I thought I had something. Who is me. no longer with us. Prince? No. Oh. Um, but but someone... Michael Jackson? No. <laughs> Think of other pop stars who passed away in like the past like five, ten years. Tom Petty? No. Whitney Houston? No. It's a, it's a male artist. <laughs> British. Oh, George Michael. George Michael. What's the song? Jesus to a Child. Oh, wow. So, yes, it, yeah, no. it, it peaked at number seven. Wow. But like I said, it's kind of obscure. So two songs total. Two songs, and they both hit number seven. Whoa, that's also a little weird. This is Morgan Wallen ties George Michael. Some divine intervention. For the highest charting <laughs> Jesus song. Okay, so here's all the other Jesus hits that yes. made the top 40. Okay, I actually was going to ask that, so thank you for doing this. And I'll go in order of where they peaked. Kanye West, Jesus Walks. How did that not come to my mind? Uh, number 11 in 2004. Wow. Carrie's Jesus Take the Wheel, number 20 in 2006. Genesis's, Genesis, 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 makes sense. Genesis, get it? Jesus Take the, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel. (laughs) Phil Collins, Jesus Take the Wheel. Um, (laughs) Sorry. uh, What was that Phil Collins thing that we. Oh my God, that was um, Against All Odds from the movie (laughs) Against All All Odds. All right, so Genesis, Jesus, He Knows Me, uh, number 23 in Mm -hmm. 1992. It was from the We Can't Dance album, yeah. I think. Um, Depeche Mode's Personal Jesus, number 28 in 1990. Lawrence Reynolds' Jesus is a Soul Man, nope. number 30, uh, 35 in 1969. Does that mean no Doobie Brothers? Doobie Brothers. <gasps> Jesus is just all right. Jesus is just all right. Yes. Number 35 in 1973. Yes. Um, those are all the songs with the word Jesus in their title that have reached the top 40 on the Hot 100. The one I'm sad I missed is Jesus Walks. Like, I, that's ridiculous that I missed that one. And it was number 11, so the closest to, to doing it. All right. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And now it's time for our mini interview <laughs> with Katy Perry. So last week I was invited to an event celebrating 20 years of American Idol. The show debuted on June 11th, 2002, and is now in its 20th season on the air moving to ABC back in 2018. 
So the anniversary party also celebrated the top 14 of season 20. And by the time you hear the show, they'll be down to a top 10. Um, the party was very adorable, by the way. They had a live, they had live band karaoke for everyone in the room. You could get up and sing with a band. Did you do karaoke? I did karaoke, Keith. Ooh, what song did you do? You haven't told me. So it, because it's live band karaoke, it's a very limited oh, amount of songs because right. it's like whatever the band can play. So they gave, they gave us like a, a website we could go to to look at all the songs. So I did Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Wow. It was fun. Is there a video of this? I No, I hope not. Oh, that would be so cool. No, I and it was terrifying, though. It was way scarier because I love, you know, I love doing karaoke. It was way scarier doing it with a band, in my opinion. And it was also super fun because once the top 14 got there, the contestants started doing karaoke and they they of course were just incredible it's kind of like the gig I mean American Idol sort of like the peak karaoke contest and these kids like came in and like just nailed it you weren't okay you weren't even doing karaoke you were just performing live yeah basically you had a live band you were singing with a live band covering I did it very early in the night I told this girl who I was sitting with who is a reporter for E I said uh, she's like, are you going to do karaoke? I'm like, I refuse to be the first person who does it. So she's like, okay, I'll go first. She went and she did Shallow with one of the guys in the band. She's like, can you guys, can you just be Bradley Cooper for me? And so they like did it as a duet. Wow. And then she's like, okay, Katie will be next. <laughs> and made me like put me up. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. So yeah, it was very fun. Wow. Um, but then uh, Top 14 came, the judges came, um, and... What was the most adorable, and you'll hear me talk to Katie about this, was how generous Katie and Lionel and Luke were with their time with the contestants. They were having just, like, personal one-on-one conversations with them, taking selfies with them. Like, it was really adorable. And so the first thing that I asked her about was, like, you know, kind of, like, how nice it was to see that off, off air. You know, they're doing this, like just out of the goodness of their hearts. They seem to, like, actually enjoy their job, which Mm. is adorable. Um, So, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. We talked about um, how the show has shifted over these two decades. Uh, I asked how tough it was to cut contestants, and she kind of surprised me and was like, you know, it's... That's actually, well, you'll hear her talk about it, but, yeah. like, we're prepping them for the in, the music industry, basically. So, like, I, you can't feel too bad about it because it's going to get even rougher out there. So... Here, take a listen to uh, my chat with Katy Perry. I have to say, it's been really sweet to watch you guys all interact with the contestants tonight because, like, you gave them so much, like, quality time and love, and it, it shows, like, how much you care about this this job, you know? It's not I mean, a job, really. <laughs> well, it never will ever feel like a job yeah. if you love what you do. Yeah, right? We all know that, right? right. Um, look, we know exactly what it feels like to be in their shoes, and we know how valuable this moment is when we do, you know, show them love or help them out or give them some advice or, you know, just encourage them. Like, I know how I felt when some of my people I looked up to were even nice to me right. or, or said hi. Right. And when they didn't, I was like, oh, oh my God, you're the worst person and I'm never going to listen to your music again. You're Hopefully a fraud. Hopefully you cross paths with them again and they were cool, maybe. Maybe. You're a fraud. <laughs> no, but I think we all, we 
all leave impressions on people, and it's about without the way, even knowing it. Yeah, and it's yeah. about the way you make people feel. Mm -hmm. Not like what you say, of course. Those are things are important, but people will walk around, walk away, and you know, and if you say, "Oh, do you meet that person?" They'll be like, "Oh yeah, she's cool. I don't remember exactly every single word or whatever, but like I felt like she really saw me or supported right. me or was right. like cool." Yeah, it's about the feeling. That's nice that you can give that to them. And I mean, so the show's been on for 20 years, and yeah. you were a viewer to start, and now a judge. You know, how do you kind of like? Does that legacy kind of show through when you're um, judging now? Like these kids grew up with the show, right? It's like a little bit different than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that the standard has, you know, just risen. Mm -hmm. Naturally, the bar is higher, stakes are higher, yeah. and we live in a, a much different world in the music industry than when this thing started. Yes. So I think really this show is about mentorship and momentum. It's like the two M's. Mm -hmm. like, you get the mentorship, you take the advice, because we're, we're, we're not just like talking to hear ourselves. Right. We're literally trying to give you very specific, real advice for the real world yeah. out there. Yeah. You take and apply in real time. Yeah. And then use this whole line as momentum to whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because it's really not always about winning but if you can place high in the top 10 the top 20 and just hustle your way and just like you know launch off of this gabby is the example like is the gabby is the example i mean there's a lot of people that have auditioned for us mm -hmm. that didn't get as far as they wanted but came through the american idol like house yeah you know, they came yep. they came under our roof they ate our food <laughs> We discovered them, yes. and we will be a part of their biography forever. Yes. You know? <laughs> because we saw something special, and we encouraged it. We drew it out. Well, yeah. Uh, so, you know. Um, tonight, you guys have to make those final decisions to, you know, narrow it down to 14. Like, how the hell do you do that after everyone comes out and, like, lays their heart on the stage, you know? Well, eventually we'll have to get to one, so yeah. it only gets harder. Yeah. It's, um... It's, it's heartbreaking, but we do hope that the contestants understand that it's the journey. Yeah. And, and, and it's about how you use this journey to your advantage. Um, and, and history shows that. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to say, no, you didn't make it to commercial break. Sing and commercial. I mean, no, you didn't make it to American Idol. Sing and commercial break. Yeah. And you're done. Yeah. And literally you're done. Yeah. You know, on this show. But it's going to happen for everyone besides one person. Yep. So, you know, no one's getting out of it besides one person. Yep, yep. So, so. get used to the band-aid. You know, get ripped off. And, and, and truly, honestly, that's the real world. Yeah. That's the real music industry. It's not ever going to be as intense and concentrated and sometimes not even as kind. Yep. So, like, we're kind of like, you know, we're like, we're, we're like, uh, we're on the Montessori side. <laughs> I was going to say, where is she going with this? Oh, that's a good mom answer for sure. Yeah, we're yeah. Montessori mom. <laughs> I we let them that. figure it out. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I said that, you know, the real world is really hard, and our style is like, it's Montessori. <laughs> I love it. You know, you pause and you learn and you know, like, again. And then you pick yourself up.
Thank you so much to Katie for sitting down with me. And uh, Keith and I laughed about this when we first talked about the interview because when I first sat down with her, uh, she's like, uh, where's that Where's that other guy? You're from Billboard? Where's the other guy? Yeah, where's and, Keith? Well, she was actually talking about the American Idol expert, uh, Fred Bronson, who uh, has been working with Billboard for decades. The great Fred Bronson. And has been our Idol guy since, like, the first season. And he still covers Idol for us. He actually uh, did interviews with the top ten for this season. So I was like, don't worry. Like, Fred's here, too. I just came for this event. And she's like, I like you and all, but, like, where's Fred? Like, where's the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> way, way, way to start an interview. Right. <laughs> um, well, I also want to point out, um, well, you haven't, you still have more things to say, don't you? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I like was an obsessive American Idol watcher from the very beginning and, um, you know, it's made the move to ABC. It obviously left Fox. I think that was in 2016 and took a, a hiatus. Um, I think the audience is definitely completely different than it was in those early days. I mean, it's a much more fragmented pop culture landscape right now than it mm-hmm. was in 2002. But I do have to say, like, every single week, idol stories are among our top stories on Billboard.com. Like, the audience clearly still has an appetite for it. It is, like, they're still rabidly voting. They're still following these contestants. And, like, it's kind of crazy how it's sustained itself over 20 years you know like i feel like that's pretty spectacular do we is our our stories where we cover like the voice or like any of the other kind of singing competition shows like do they get a lot of traffic as well is it kind of like maybe people are just like oh no we trust billboard to give us like recaps and solid news on these shows when they can't find them other places i would say for the voice like um you know an individual performance might pop or go viral Mm. whereas like consistently american idol coverage of all the contestants does really well wow or even just like last week our recap of like the top 14 is revealed was our top story last week on billboard.com. So, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. So since we have a rap album at number one this week on the Billboard 200 chart, Tyler, the creators, call me if you get lost, I thought it might be interesting to play a little quiz, Katie, on what was the first rap album to be number one on the Billboard 200 chart. The only hint I'll give you is that it was in the second half of the 1980s. Okay, I've got a guess. Okay. The Beastie Boys. What's the name of the album? Um, we'll go with License to Ill. You're actually correct. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, uh, Beastie Boys, which was a, uh, a I, I, will, I will say this for context, it will make sense, a white trio of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, their album, License to Ill, hit number one on the March 7th, 1987 chart. And the set fused rock and rap, sampled everything from Led Zeppelin to Barry White, and but it also used live instruments, too. And they opened for Madonna. Uh, before that. <laughs> they did. But they did open for Madonna before that. I wasn't even going to put that in there. You introduced Madonna this week. Um, okay, so um, that album obviously was huge. Um, but what was the second and third rap mm. albums to be number one? Okay, so I need. can I have... Are we still in the 80s or are we moving to the 90s now? The second one is still in the late 1980s. Oh, okay. Um, and I feel like you were helping me by telling me that about, like, the BC Boys being a white trio. Is there, was this a, a black trio, perhaps? No. 
Okay. <laughs> I was like, is it Run DMC? Um, uh, is it a, a single person or? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, uh, like MC Hammer or Vanilla Ice? MC Hammer had the third. Okay. With Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. Okay. So it, there's something in between Beasties and MC Hammer. Yeah. It's, I can just tell you. Well, I need one more hint. Any hint. 1989. That's not a good hint. Well. Uh, you don't have to give me hints. Um, there, there was, uh, he had, he had like, he. Okay. Had two, like, really big singles that year that everyone remembers. One of which was, like, kind of like an interpolation of an old, um, Hit sort of tone loke tone loke yes it's tone loke yeah yes. tone loke who had Those famous worked with a wild thing and funky cold Medina mm-hmm. his album loked after dark would not have gotten the title of the album uh, spent a week at number one on April fifteenth nineteen eighty nine and then MC Hammer's album please hammer don't hurt him uh, began its twenty one week run at number one on the June 9th, nineteen ninety dated chart and because my husband is a big Young MC fan I'm just going to mention that Young MC wrote most of Tone Loke's. Uh, raps. Really? Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of makes sense when you when you listen to the lyrics. Yeah. It's like Tone had the incredible voice. Right. And so, and then he had a, you know, great rapper write his, his rhymes for him. I hope Mr. Uh, Young MC has uh, invested his money wisely. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, he's got Bust a Move, too. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he had all that, all those songwriting credits and publishing on the Tone Logo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, there you have it. A little quiz, Katie, about rap albums at number one back in the day on the Billboard 200 chart. We've reached the end of our big show. Um, I want to say, uh, once again, thank you to Fred Bronson many, yeah. many years ago, who um, uh, he, he used to write the chart beat um, column for Billboard. There, Paul Grind started that. Paul, who is currently our awards editor, started the, the chart beat column back in the day, like in the late 70s, early 80s. And then Fred started doing that, I think, in the late 80s, or early 90s. And uh, when I was a when I was in college at USC, I wrote in to Fred, I sent an email into Fred, um, because as as charts people do, they tend to get a lot of feedback from fans of charts. And I was one of those people sending in like, hey, did you notice that blah, blah, blah happened? And like sometimes he would quote people who wrote in in his column. And um, I sent a note like, hey, I, how does one become an intern at Billboard? And he passed along my note to the then director of charts who then sent me like, oh, if you want to become an intern, send me a resume. And then I applied to become an intern, and then I became an intern at Billboard, and then I got a job at Billboard, and hey, I'm still here. And here you are. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Fred, for passing Thanks that email Thanks for the Pop along. Shop podcast, Fred, because yeah. it, it wouldn't even exist. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, what what should we go out on? Any other parting words, Katie? Well, we should go out on a song that was big in the year that you started at Billboard. <laughs> Well, as an intern or as an official employee? Either, either. whatever oh, year is most significant. Everyone is going to immediately think, God, you're old, oh. Keith. <laughs> Shut up. Um, hey, we can play uh, Ray of Light then by Madonna. Love it. Uh, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.